JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. I know this is recognizable to our next guest on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Kevin Aquari, weekday mornings. Uh, that is 7 until 10 a.m. Kevin Bowen joins us. Were you ever a part of that mixer known as high school hookup Wednesday night before Thanksgiving back in the day? You know, I, I, I look forward to these Wednesday conversations, John, a lot. Um, yeah. Literally one of my favorite things of the week. And this annual Wednesday tradition between you and I, this has got to be your third or fourth year in a row that you've been a Brothers and Broad Ripple on the yeah. Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Um, and I can't tell you how many people have already texted me today, just jokingly, you know, group texts or whatnot, being like, hey, are we going to Brothers and Broad Ripple tonight? Because that was our Wednesday, Black Wednesday uh, hangout. And, and uh, yeah, I, I have some fond, uh, potentially foggy memories of this night in that very bar. Well, you know, I know that you probably got blank hammered, right? <laughs> that, that comes with the territory. But did you, did you happen to dig out any strange on the night of all nights for collegiate kids in November? Come on. Any strange, yeah, any I, old high school romances, any flames, something that just kind of happened that led you down the path to some he and she and Come on, tell me. Yeah, again, I mean, strange to me is, you know, you, you, that's the first time. You, but I, I would say, oh, wow, I haven't seen you in a while. And then, you know, brothers and brothers. Is it really strange is the first time you've ever met? Can I you think not, strange I, is, yeah. That's, I think that's you can have, I think you could met, but you just met before, but you just don't know them. Right, right? and I guess that a still little works. bit of that. Well, yeah, don't know them well. Yeah, and some of that, I guess, is tonight. You know, it's a little bit of, oh, my gosh, I haven't seen you in forever, and what are you doing? I mean, it is kind of the same conversation over and over again, which probably contributes to why, um, again, to a lot of people, this is Blackout Wednesday leading into Thanksgiving, leading into Black Friday. Uh, But I just laugh every time that I think back to me now doing a professional, uh, albeit professional is kind of a loose term, 30-minute segment here with you every Wednesday before Thanksgiving yeah. and think back to the many hours that I spent and that, that in that establishment. And then we would either, we'd either go North from there. You go Casva red room from there. That was, I always was afraid the Casva roof was going to cave in on me. There was a bartender that always wore a Detroit lion in Dominican Sioux Jersey. I absolutely loved um, very reminiscent, I guess, of Sioux this past Sunday. And then red room would be the final stop, or you could go, I guess that'd be West of there. And it yeah. could be some sort of Chumleys, Land Sharks, Rock Lobster, that sort of pattern. That's usually 
where the night would lead. And then, you know, wherever happened after that, I guess, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, for me, we ended up in Bloomington. It was either Kilroy Sports Bar. It might have been the original. And then I might have gone either to, at the time, I think it was Jake's. It might have been um, whatever they turned the dance club in back. And you can always tell my level of drunkenness if somehow, some way, there was evidence that I got up and danced in a cage, then <laughs> it, it was probably a really bad night for me as well. But I, I, I want to ask you this, because sometimes things happen. And you got to go to either your parents or your grandparents the next day for Thanksgiving. Did you ever have to perform the walk of shame and leave directly from that walk of shame to somebody in your family's home for Thanksgiving? Yes. Oh, no. That, that that's rock bottom. You know, the, the, the beautiful oh, thing about rock bottom. John, what? Well, <laughs> that, that, that's, that's desperation. And that's a person that can't wake up the next day and start to piece the life back together in a somewhat quick fashion. What I are you trying to say? That's thing. like, hey, that's my blueprint right there. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> that's my biography of the 90s. Come on. Yeah, I, I think one of the joys of Thanksgiving, among the many things, and it obviously is a holiday that we should reflect on, and I do feel like over time I have uh, realized the uh, – have better appreciation of the true meaning for it. Uh, you know, I don't know about you guys, but the Bowen family usually didn't gather until, uh, you know, probably like early afternoon. So, you know, this isn't Christmas morning where you need to wake up and walk downstairs and see Santa. So you got yeah. you know, you got you got a few hours in the morning to – uh, if you want to get back in a broad ripple, I believe the Bagel Deli is just a few blocks down from you. Uh, kind of regather and regroup and uh, get ready for um, some, some football on. Kev, I wish I'd have had that family life because I, I come from a family, either with my mom or back then my grandmother, to where I could never be early enough. I'm always late. So basically, <laughs> if, if I'm not there by 9 a.m., then I'm late. I don't know how that ever worked out that way. Hey, we're going to eat at noon. And then, hey, you know, I get a call. It's 9 a.m. I'm still in bed. Well, wait a minute. We're not eating until noon. I thought you'd be here. By... And you know what? The same stuff's going to happen tomorrow. Like, I'm going to roll down to Greene County. I'm going to roll down to Owensburg with the kids. I'm going to walk in the door. And it doesn't matter. If I'm there at 11, if I'm there at 10, I am not going to be early enough. I am never early enough on Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's uh, you. You strike me as someone though that is pretty prompt and on time, and yes. I, mean, I guess that's a good quality to have because considering our job. But um, you know, I was actually in Brothers and Broad Ripple. Maddie and I had brought Rosie and Max there last Friday night. They've got great food there. Uh, we they watched uh, the first half of IU Xavier there. No, great place. It is this one, the one in Bloomington, seemingly is always packed on the weekends. You got to stand outside yeah. waiting that. Oh way, yeah. So. Yeah, we watched many, many a weeknight basketball games when I was down there in Bloomington at that Brothers and then would venture out from there. They had some great deals as well. Man, I would, you know, part of me would pay a little bit amount of, a little bit of money just to, uh, just to see some of the um, shenanigans that'll go on inside of that place tonight. Oh, yeah. I might hang around for you just to see if I can get some video documentation about what's going on and what we're missing out on in our older days as parents and adults and responsible human beings, which is incredibly unfortunate. It's Kevin Bowen on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So let me get this straight. Nick Seriani on Sunday uh, yelled in the uh, first two rows of the crowd behind the Eagles bench. That blank was for Frank Reich. And I guess today 
This blank is for Marcus Brady. He's going to take care of everybody before it's all over with here, right? It, when, when are we going to get that blank was for Rodrigo Blankenship. Is that coming? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At some point, if the Colts cut Matt, Matt Pryor, he's going to bring him <laughs> in as well. Um, yeah, I saw that. So, And I just briefly scanned Steven's story. So Marcus Brady consulted on the defensive side of the ball but was not necessarily a part of that last week. Yes, correct. I, I believe that's just right now, correct? That's moving forward, right? That's yeah. how I read it? Yeah, that's how I how I read it as well. Yeah, that, that was interesting to me. Um, you know, I, I, think, I think what you've seen from the Eagles is a very win-now approach to really how they've operated over the last few weeks. I mean, I mean what they did with Linval Joseph and Indomitian Sue, I mean, those two guys, they were – arguably they were they were difference makers in the game if they don't have them i don't think they win that game they absolutely own especially joseph own the interior of the colts offensive line and you know once you got to that second drive and jonathan taylor was absolutely non-existent um for the rest of the game and that to me was probably the most disappointing aspect to the game because it should have been a strength for the colts considering they're on a short week that has been the biggest weakness and i thought those two guys controlled you know, whatever matchups, Ryan Kelly, um, Will Fries, especially in the middle of that line. So, it, again, it's a win now move by Philly. Um, the Marcus Brady move, I know it's kind of a uh, maybe not get a lot of headlines and a lot of attention to it, but um, the Colts have operated in a very much of what we have inside of our building personnel wise. That's what we're going with. It's been a bit head scratching to me to kind of see them operate in that manner because. Chris Ballard, more than anyone, has always mentioned roster building is 12 months out of the year. Every time the Colts have a quiet March free agency, he re- reemphasizes that. And yet, here you are in week, what is this, week 12 now? Um, I mean, they signed Khalid Kareem off the Bengals practice squad yesterday. That is one of the very few outside the building moves they've made this season and I can't think of really any on the offensive side of the ball. Um, so I do think these final six weeks, given the fact that you continue to roll out this personnel, it, it, as much as it's an evaluation on Jeff Saturday, isn't it at some point more of an evaluation on Chris Ballard in that you've made the only moves you've really made are Marcus Brady and Frank Reich of, of substance. Everything else has been within your own roster. Um, so I think at some point uh, the attention needs to shift there if it hasn't already. Don't you think we are there? I don't know if you are. I know I am. I've yeah, seen enough. I, I, I've I, seen enough. I guess there's more attention maybe on Saturday just because of the name. But, you know, when when you make that move, and obviously Jim Irsay made it, what you're saying, and, and in a way, and this goes for any team around the league that fires a coach midseason, Carolina would fall in the same boat as Indy right now. Basically, it kind of exposes your roster in that you're saying the coach was an issue and was a big issue. And so when you fire that person in some way, and Ursay has actually said this out loud, you think the personnel is good enough. And now we're going to find out. You know, two games into it, Jeff Saturday's gotten this football team to play at a little bit of a better level. So um, we'll see how one and one turns out the rest of the season with the schedule, of course, getting a bit tougher after this week. Uh, but, yeah, I, I do think that's where we're at right now. And I, I just don't have a great read on Ballard and the future within the organization. Um, 
I've, you know, I, I'm kind of getting mixed signals on it. And again, how much input will Jeff Saturday have on that, if any at all? Um, it'll be very interesting to see how that one plays out. I got, I got some guy's tweet yesterday. You know, basically, he doesn't like my opinion on Ballard and um, said something like, hey, stay the course. And, he, and I, was, I think I was tagged on it. I, I, don't, I don't know if you were. You may have been tagged on it, too. I can't remember. But then, you know, lo and behold, I see Jim Irsay, like, liked it. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> I thought, we okay. about that earlier today, yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah, I okay, I, I didn't know if you guys brought that up, or I didn't yeah. obviously hear that in the portion I was listening to this morning. But, yeah, I thought, okay. Those are the mixed messages you're talking about. But, again, that didn't make any difference. Because we heard, you know, the complete opposite of what actually was reality, you know, leading up to, um, you know, to, to Frank Reich and leading up to, you know, Sam Ellinger and then back to Matt Ryan. So it, none of this holds too much water for me. How about you? No, and I, I remember you and I having a conversation literally Sunday morning before, I guess it would have been the Washington game, when yeah. Ian Rappaport and whoever else, Schefter, uh, came out with those national reports, or I think it's Mortensen saying that Frank Reich was safe. And you and I, I think both were like, yeah, safe on October 30th is a whole yeah. lot different than, um, you know, safe after you have an embarrassing fourth quarter, you know, loss to Washington and you blow a two-score lead to a backup quarterback. And then the next week you have the, you know, fewest yards per play that you've had in the history of the Indianapolis Colts. And I looked at it, and I think you looked at it in a similar light, of this is simply trying to put water on a flame that Jim Irsay started. And that's simply what that was. And, you know, I, I asked him two weeks ago at that Monday night press conference, you know, will Chris Ballard be a part of the head coaching search? And, you know, in that situation, Ursay and any owner could probably take two paths. One path you could take is we're evaluating everyone right now. This is a time where our organization is at a point where it's not acceptable and we have higher standards and higher expectations and we'll evaluate everyone at, at the end of the season. That's one route. And then the other route you could go is, you know, be a staunch backer. And he was that. I mean, I think I believe he compared Chris Bauer to Michael Jordan, if I'm not mistaken, yes. in that answer. So, um, you know, Ballard being right next to him probably lends to a little bit more of that second path than the one that he took. Uh, but, again, you know, unfortunately, you know, Ursay's words this year involve very mixed messaging, and he's gone back on those comments uh, multiple times, whether it be quarterback related or head coach related. So um, I guess you just take that with a grain of salt and see what happens when you know, January 8th or 9th rolls around. Do the Pacers seem more promising? I'm not talking about in the moment, but in the short term, more promising with the way that they put things into gear at a higher level of competition than the Colts do. Because I know when you look at the NFL, normally because of the, the structure uh, and the salary cap, you, you can you know, be crappy one year and then make a massive turnaround with some good fortune, you know, whatever, the next. This Colts team doesn't seem like the way it's floundering now and the way it's probably going to flounder the remainder of the season. Uh, a short-term turnaround is in the offing, at least for me. What do you think? Yeah, I, obviously a massive chunk of that will depend on what happens at quarterback. You know, if you are able to hit on that position early in a rookie contract, you can do that quickly. Now, again, that is extremely lofty, and there are certainly more misses than hits, and especially early in a guy's career. I mean, just look at last year's draft class, for example. You know, Mac Jones flirted with nice success. I mean, Zach Wilson from a win-loss 
record they have it. Now, boom, he, he's benched. You know, Justin Fields, people are high on, but then you look at the record, and the record doesn't equate to that. So, you know, if you find a Justin Herbert, you know, sure. Or, you know, Burrow going to the Super Bowl in year two. But obviously with Burrow, you've got Jamar Chase then in that second season. So um, there are still those additional moves that have to be made. And if you want to look at the Pacers comparison, you know, when you traded Sabonis and you started all this, I mean, Halliburton was obviously the first big, big piece of it. Uh, but then Benedict Matherin is a huge part of it as well. I mean, those are two big-time, big-time hits. Uh, you know, for the Colts, I guess the first-round pick could offer that. But, again, you would need, like, a Darius Leonard-type impact from day one. And I guess Shaquille Leonard, Darius, when he was drafted, uh, what he gave you as a rookie. And then we'll see if anything happens in free agency. We're probably wishful thinking of Chris Ballard is running the show that they'll do a whole lot there in that part of it. Um, so, I mean, you can point to some teams, John, that have had quick turnarounds. Defensively, I think if you look at that group, I mean, that's the group that's played really good football for you this year. Really the only age question I would have, because, again, you've done it without Shaquille Leonard this year, the only big personnel question I would have would be Stephon Gilmore and just his age. I mean, I have been shocked to see him play this well and stay this healthy at the age of 32. Um, I mean, that is a big credit, credit to Chris Bauer. I mean, that, that's a big time hit in free agency. It has given you, I think, a type of corner that you haven't had. He stepped up in big moments for you, all those things. Uh, but he's also a 32 year old corner and it's super rare to see guys play at that age at that position and beyond. So that would probably be the one big defensive personnel question. Um, and again, a credit to Gus Bradley because you played at such a high level on that side of the ball without Leonard, without the dominant edge rusher, without a whole lot of turnover stuff as well. Um, and I would just say, I guess the last thing to note on the defense, John, and to the point of how quickly can you do this, I mean, what happens to the staff? You know, part of me would think that if Jeff Saturday becomes the permanent head coach, I'd have to think Jeff Saturday has a lot of hires that he would like to make and has been thinking right. about right. if he got this role. And one of them, would be as defensive coordinator. I mean, Gus Bradley is not – I mean, there's not well, much – I don't, I don't that, think there was any prior that, That's even if they don't go with Jeff Saturday. If they open that thing up and they hire somebody right. else and Jeff does something organizationally, the same thing holds true for that decision in mind. Completely agree. Yeah, and, you know, Ballard has been a, such a big believer in this defense. You know, it, it, a, a four-man front. You know, is that – if you make a move at GM, there's the next GM – you know, have some say in that and want to have some say in hiring a head coach. So, I mean, it's the day before Thanksgiving, and there's so many dominoes that play off of all the decisions that will be made, have to be made come mid to late January. And that's what makes these last kind of month, month and a half of the season such an unknown because if you overhaul it, overhaul it, then the personnel could look a whole lot different from one year to the next. Um, so, obviously, that's going to impact some of my answer on that. So, Kevin Bowen, Morning Show, Kevin and Query. That's weekday mornings, Monday through Friday, here on The Fan. All right. I think a good, uh, interesting gauge with a good basketball team in town tonight with uh, Minnesota, the Timberwolves, and the Pacers. I mean, historically speaking, um, I know Miles actually got Gobert uh, the last time, but then Miles got tossed with Gobert because they got into it about something, and certainly they got a uh, uh, a longstanding rivalry because I forget what it was. It was Team USA versus uh, France, and 
and right. Gobert handed it to him pretty good. But what do you think about Gobert and, and Miles tonight? And then overall, where this team is, are we going to kind of gauge where they are with this game and especially that Brooklyn game on Friday night before they embark on that seven-gamer? That thing is rough for a two-week period coming up next week and the week after. You know, when you were calling them Gobert, I thought you were going to the fridge to get one of those yogurt things. For, <laughs> nah, for, I was just – I was, sometimes I mix in my Green County pronunciation yeah. guide. So Gobert, Gobert is what they call him down there. Yeah, it sounds like a shot you could get a brothers tonight. Yeah, we got Gobert <laughs> shots, you know, two fifty a piece here. Um, I don't know about you, John, but I don't know the last time I've looked forward to a Pacers regular season game more than this. Like, I, I think there's a lot of storylines. The five game win streak, the home game before Thanksgiving, I think always naturally has some appeal. And the Miles Turner Rudy Gobert thing is. I mean, that's, that's some popcorn. That's one of the few, like, memorable moments in a positive direction from last season. I mean, I thought Turner outplayed him in the game in Utah. And like you said, it, it led to Gobert being ejected. And that <laughs> at one point it looked like two bears hugging those two going at it. <laughs> and it was probably the best game the Pacers played all season, considering it was. Utah yeah. and, and, and all of that. And then in the second matchup, Gobert was out. So – the return game here in Indy, you didn't have the matchup. And like you said, it dates back to the world championships when Miles was outspoken about his you know, presence as a rim protector and thinking it was the best in the world. And he got thoroughly outplayed in that game to the point where I forget if it was Popovich or Brad Stevens coaching team USA at that point, but they just benched him. And I, I forget who they brought in, like Jalen Brown or somebody. And they just went with a bunch of wings. Yeah, they did. Yeah. The rest of the way. And that was, I think kind of a wake-up call two miles. And um, I know how much he circles this one on the calendar. Um, so, yeah, this is – I'm, I'm really excited to see how Miles reacts to that, how Gobert reacts to it, and, again, how the Pacers play against a team that's really, really talented and has won four in a row and seems to be starting to figure it out. And to your point, I mean, tonight at home, you get the soap opera of all soap operas Friday in Brooklyn with the tree lighting game at 8 o'clock. And then you've got, like, that Sunday matinee leading into – I think you played both the L.A. teams right out of the gate leading into that seven-game Western trip. Yeah, I mean, when we talk in a couple Wednesdays, yeah, I mean, it's going to be very, very different. Or I should say maybe a bit clearer. Um, Maybe not necessarily different, but certainly clearer in that the competition is going to rise. I thought Rick Carlisle was really honest yesterday after practice and being like – Hey, we know we've got some breaks at the schedule. They played teams coming off back to backs. The overall talent hasn't been, you know, great from the teams that they're playing. I think they've benefited a little bit in the injury area now, you know, with Nemhard likely out and Isaiah Jackson it sounded like likely out for tonight. Your rotation will be tested a little bit. Um and the schedule is gonna toughen up. So um this is a this is a step up in the NBA ladder coming up not only tonight and Friday, but certainly over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I'd agree, and this is a good test, and then I don't know when they start that road trip with the Clippers on Sunday. I know Kawhi Leonard is out tonight. Are they expecting him not to participate on Sunday? Have you heard? I haven't heard that. Isn't LeBron banged up, too? Yeah, he didn't play last night, and then Patrick Beverly may not. I mean, that (laughs) two-hand shove in the back. My man, I'm there for the entertainment value, but that dude's a butthole. I mean, I mean, yeah. that's all he does is shove people in the back. I love Devin Booker after the game saying, you know, you know sometimes you got to 
shove somebody in the chest and not in the back. Right. Yeah. You do that tonight in the basement of Casba, and it's not going to end well for you, buddy. So, yeah. No doubt. Yeah. This is. Um. I. I. I'm really looking forward to what the next couple of weeks will unfold. And then again for for Turner, who has consistently produced this season at an extremely impressive level. Yeah. You know, tonight he circles on the calendar, and I mean, hell, he said it to Woj. Um, a couple weeks back, what is, is it Monday, the Lakers game? I mean, Monday, that is going to hold a lot of merit. And you're in L.A. for two straight. So the L.A. media is going to be right there, you know, wanting to to chat with you about all of this. So um, I think that'll be something that'll be how, how he reacts to that. Because we, we did see, you know, when he went on the Woj pod and then, the game after that, he was terrible. Now he's backed that up with arguably the most impressive stretch of his career, probably the most impressive stretch of his career. So now tonight and then again coming up on Monday when you're in L.A. Um, and just all that attention that I think will inevitably come his way, uh, really curious to see how he plays off that. Yeah, tonight, I mean, you got not only Gobert, but you got Carl Anthony Towns. That's, uh, that's double trouble. For 33, there's no doubt about that. It'd be kind of interesting to see how they, they handle it between uh, 33 and and uh, Jalen Smith. And I guess, you know, Isaiah Jackson, a little dinged up. We, we know as of yet if he's going to participate tonight. He is out tonight, so no Isaiah Jackson tonight. Right. Yeah, and I didn't love hearing that, in, you know, landed on his foot wrong late in the yeah. game. So, gosh, does that mean Goga? I guess. Goga and Gobert. Boy. I can't wait to see that. That's going to be great. Goga oh, and Gilbert. You know, boy, now that really sounds like a fun shot that you could have with brothers. Um, <laughs> boy, you know Goga's going to try and do some stuff. Um, <laughs> he's going to try and get under. Yeah. Um, Gobert. Yeah, the, the Goga experiment a few weeks ago against Denver did not go well. He looked like a man that was tanking that night. So, yeah, this will be these will be big minutes because, of course, I mean, if Miles gets into foul trouble, it's going to be Goga and James Johnson will probably get a look or two, and you're going to have to go into your bank. I'd assume Jalen Smith on Carl Anthony Towns and then probably. Miles yeah. on, on Gobert to start things. And then you know, how you defend Anthony Edwards, and it got to be big for Aaron Neesmith. And, yeah, this is uh, this is going to be a fun one. And I honestly think – I don't know if anybody cares about it, but I think it will be a good amount of national eyes on this game. Um, I think Minnesota brings some of that. Um, just with their personnel and the changes they've made. But I think you'll see a lot of attention for Minnesota, Indiana, usually just kind of being a, yeah, who really cares about it? Boilermakers or Hoosiers on Saturday? I got IU covering. Um, yeah, I think IU covers, but Purdue's offense puts together one more drive. Um but yeah, I think Dexter Williams giving them some life and ten and a half seems to be a big line. I would love just selfishly from a storyline standpoint, and you know, I I'd love to see Purdue make the Big Ten title game. I, I really hope Nebraska can pull off the upset on Friday against Iowa. And that would set up a little bit more at stake uh for Saturday afternoon down there. But how how's the I hope the I I guess I you would like worse weather considering they got a running quarterback and they yeah. don't want to air it out at all. Purdue definitely wants the weather to be good down there, but uh, it's it kind of funny. Is it going to be raining? Yeah, that's what they say. It's going to be raining during the game. Ooh, ooh. 
it is kind of funny. You you look at the over unders of those two teams at the start of the year. Purdue is seven and a half. Indiana is four and a half, and you've got seven win Purdue facing four win Indiana in this one. So I'm sure there's yeah. some some uh, over under futures bets that people will be paying attention to. Once upon a time, he showed up on a Wednesday, ready to go on a high school hookup Wednesday. Back in the day when he came up from Bloomington, showing out here in the Indy area with all his buddies on a Wednesday night like the younger generation will do here at Brothers in Broad Ripple later on tonight with our friends from Bud Light. That's Kevin Bowen of the Morning Show. Kevin and Query, weekday mornings. 93.5 and 107.5, the fan right here. Have a fantastic Thanksgiving. You guys doing turkey? We are. Um, you know, there, I, there's about 10% of me, John, uh, maybe a little higher than that, that's jealous of the patrons that will be inside of brothers tonight thinking about um, what they will get to experience. But then I think about tomorrow morning for them. And I instantly think back to, I'm probably glad that I'm no longer in that stage of my life. All those, those kids back in college, back in the day, uh, they all drank num nums. They'll be okay. Those sugary (laughs) num nums. They'll drink that. All that has, I have a bad headache. He like going to new Orleans. Those sugary num nums. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll that's, that's what happens. Gobert in tomorrow morning, and they'll be good to go. Goga and Gobert tonight. I'm really excited by that. By the way, shout out to Smoking Barrel Barbecue, who got Ooh. me the turkey, the smoked turkey and some brisket to go to Greene County. I'm going to be the bell at the ball in Greene County coming up tomorrow with the smoked meats that I am bringing to it. Good for you on that. I have been fortunate to make a stop at Smoking Barrel. It is terrific. So anybody looking for last-minute action there on the southeast side of Indianapolis, definitely hit that up. That is our guy Mike, Smoking Barrel Barbecue. That is at 52 in German Church Road, as Kev mentions there on the uh, southeast side of Marion County, right before you get into uh, Handcuff County right there, Marion County, German Church and 52. My man, I appreciate it. You and your family have a great Thanksgiving. John, thank you, man. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It is the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. He is staked out in the state of Oregon in preparation for the team that he calls in the Phil Knight Legacy, which begins coming up tomorrow night at 10 o'clock. That would be number 24, Purdue, at 3-0. The 4-0 Bob Huggins-led West Virginia Mountaineers Rob Blackman, the voice of the Boilermakers, joins us. Rob, how are you? Well, you mentioned college kids. I'm on a college campus currently. I'm at Portland State University for uh, for our practice session here to get ready for tomorrow's Phil Knight legacy. So I'm, I'm not a college student, JMV, but at least I am on a college campus here in, uh, in Portland. Um, Looking forward to this without question. I mean, you look at some of the some of the teams that are on, you know, in our bracket and, and the legacy. There, there are two. Most of your listeners probably know this, but there are actually two tournaments going on out here at the same time. There's the right. Phil Knight Invitational and the Phil Knight Legacy. Uh, eight teams in each. 
Um, but we have some pretty good ones on our side of the bracket, including West Virginia and Gonzaga and Duke, uh, Xavier as well, Florida. So, yeah, this uh, this be the first chance for Purdue to see some real high-level competition. So I'm looking forward to this. All right, I want to know this. For the Phil Knight legacy, in this case, because you mentioned the Phil Knight Invitationals also out there, what type of swag have they given? Have you had the swag part of this yet? Do you get any swag? Yes, so even I get swag. That's, Let me uh, talk, that's, talk, talk about the swag. That, that's how generous this tournament is. So we got uh, a sweatsuit, a uh, black sweatsuit with uh, has a PK on the uh, upper, upper right uh, chest area. And then we got a three-quarter zip uh, as well, a uh, pullover. And then uh, also got uh, a uh, golf shirt as well. All of them have the, the PK logo on the, uh, on the uh, left side of the chest. So, yeah, pretty good stuff. Now, that's just for the radio nerds. I don't know what the players get. They might get <laughs> a lot more stuff than that. I do know this. One of the real benefits of this uh, is we're going to be on the Nike campus later tonight uh, for oh. a little get-together that all the teams go to. So, I'm really looking forward to, to uh, seeing what what that looks like. What's your favorite Nike shoe of all time? Oh, um, well, <laughs> if if I say the Jays, is that uh, is that too easy of an answer? No, well, no, uh, no, yeah. What? What? Because I mean, they're they're probably that'd be most answered. Just depends on yeah. what year. And I'm not enough. I'm not enough of a shoe nerd to know what. Like I have some Jordans on right now. I have no idea. Anybody know what year these are? I'm a, I'm gonna hold it up here. <laughs> In, in Broad Ripple at Brothers. You guys know what year these Jordans are? You guys can't see up my shorts or anything, can you? Don't be looking. Hold on. Don't be looking. <laughs> That's not for everybody. No, I don't know what. I have Jordans on right now. But uh, my favorite all time, my favorite all time are the uh, dunks of the mid to late 1980s. Remember, and, and the, to me, the best shoe of all time would have been the Georgetown Hoya Blue, oh, silver, yeah. I mean, those you, those hey, Rob, man, you're my age. You, you were such a badass if you wore those. People would just go, <laughs> hey, that guy's a bad dude right there. Look at those shoes. I love those. Not, Absolutely. So yeah. those, those are probably at the top of my list is my favorite. I don't know if this is true. I'm going to find out later tonight. But apparently at the uh, Nike employee store on campus, you, you can basically purchase any Nike shoe that has ever, ever been uh, released from the beginning of time until today. So I, I will actually look for those. There might be a pair of those yeah. floating around out there tonight. If, if they're not like $1,500 or something. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's the problem. Yes. Man, those, I mean, and, and I'll tell you what, they had, um, um, and this is like Iowa colors, but they had a, a yellow, and I know it's kind of close to the Boilermakers, but it wasn't Boilermaker colors. I think the Hawkeye colors of the Dunks were black and yellow. And uh, those those were badass too back in the day. Love the dunks. Well, I'm uh, I'm kind of partial to uh, some of the different colors. Uh, I don't for some reason I like green. I don't know why that is. The problem is, yeah. a guy a guy my age probably shouldn't be wearing green sneakers. So I just stay with the uh, the more neutral colors when I go shoe shopping. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I you don't go with the uh, the neon kind of stuff. The neon thing was a, th- a thing for a while. I didn't mind that. Yeah, so yeah, those were cool. But again, that's probably for a younger generation. Unfortunately for me. Well, if you if you see the uh, Georgetown Hoyas from around what eighty five or eighty six in that neighborhood, if you see that those shoes out there, take a picture and, and text it to me. 
Okay, and then you can let me know your size, and I'll purchase them for you. Well, yeah, unless, yeah, if they're $1,500, then. <laughs> Understood. Understood. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, I want to get to the the bucket game in a second because that's on everybody's mind as well. But this Boilermaker team, this is going to be, you know, a test here, right? This is going to be legitimate. And, I, I mean, I don't want to get in front of the West Virginia matchup because a Huggins team is incredibly difficult to play. We know that. But I believe next up would be more than likely – Gonzaga. So I don't know about you, but a, a Zach Eady and a Drew Timmy matchup in the low post has got me all sports arousal right now. So yeah, I, I want to look forward be, to that. That would be late night on Friday night, like around about 1130 Indianapolis time. But I think there are a lot of folks that would stay up late to watch that one. I would agree. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that uh, because on the opposite side of our bracket, Gonzaga is playing Portland State. So one can assume Gonzaga is going to win that game. And so the winner of Purdue and West Virginia obviously is playing Gonzaga there in the in the in the winners bracket. So, yeah, I'd like to see that matchup. Um, I've I've watched Gonzaga play twice uh, on television. Uh, watched them play Kentucky there on uh, Sunday night, I think it was. I'm not quite so sure Gonzaga has the guard play that they've had in the past five, six, seven years. Right. Uh, but they do still certainly have Drew Timmy, and uh, I mean he's first team All American for a reason. So. Yeah, I think he against Zach Eady. I think there's a lot of folks that would stay up awfully late to watch that matchup on Friday night if Purdue can get there. Yes, Strahr is a good player, too. I mean, he was going to come out from the NBA, got that info, and, and double back to Spokane, which was a smart move. But you're right, too. And, you know, obviously around my house, we watch Gonzaga all the time. And they, uh, they're not – they, they don't really touch. Two years ago, they don't come close to touching that. Of course, that's, you know, Jalen Suggs in, in that group. But, um, right. yeah, they don't, they, they're not as good. And, and Andrew Nemhart, you know, missing him, you know, as a guard from a year ago, that's a big deal for him. Yeah, and I think, and again, you watch him more closely than I do, but it's just they just don't seem to have the same level of guard play that they've had in the past. Not that that doesn't mean they're still awfully good because they are. Um, and look, to be fair, not like Purdue, uh, you know, is right now has high level guard play. The guard play has been good, but it's been young, you know, Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer. So, you you know, you have true freshmen out there trying to trying to find their way. So uh, that that's probably a game that comes down to, yes, Drew Timmy versus Zach Eady. Uh, again, that's if Purdue can get there. You know, this West Virginia team is really interesting. They were they were a game below 500 last year, only won four games in a conference in a big 12 they lost nine of their top 10 scores from that team. So you just automatically assume they're going to be even worse. And quite frankly, they're actually better because Bob Huggins literally used the transfer portal yeah. to his advantage. I mean, he, their, their top four players on this year's team uh, for their top five are, are power five conference transfers. And they're not dudes that were just, you know, bench warmers or, or who were, who were unsatisfied with either their playing time or their role in the offense. You know, most of these guys, uh, even including like a Joe Toussaint who transferred from Iowa, you know, he started 21 games last year for Iowa. He, he started the first 21 games of the season. And that's how most of these transfers are. They're either seniors or fifth years that not only were starters on the team they were on last year, but some of them were all conference. Some of them led their team in scoring. Uh, so these guys aren't just bums. I mean, he, these guys are high major players who were leading their teams in scoring that decided to, to play their, their fifth year at, at West Virginia. So, it's a totally new team as far as the faces on the team, but it's, it's a team with a ton of talent. So that Purdue's really going to have its hands full tomorrow night with West Virginia. It is going to be a, it, it, it'll be Purdue's toughest test of the season. I know that's easy to say because Purdue hasn't played a, you know, a whole lot of high level competition at this point, but, but this West Virginia team is really, really good. So it is going to be a big test for Purdue. 
Well, and, and knowing that Toussaint kid from Iowa, he, he seems like to me he'd be the type of player that would fit what Bob Huggins likes to do basketball play-wise, both ends of the floor. Yeah, race up and down the floor, really harass you. 94 feet. Yeah. If, if you're if you're silly enough to bring the ball up on the sideline, they're going they're going to run and jump and trap you, uh, and really embarrass you. Quite frankly, uh, with turnovers. So, and they're turning the. I think I if I read this correctly, I think they're turning the opposition over like 18 times a game. Um, now again, they haven't played real high level competition either. But I mean, you're getting 18 turnovers a game from your defense. You're, you're obviously doing something right. So. Um, taking care of the ball, as, as it always is against uh, West Virginia, will be a premium. Uh, but I, I, hopefully, hopefully there'll be some fans that'll stay up late uh, for this one tomorrow night at 10 o'clock Eastern time because I, I think this will be uh, one of the better games on the schedule for this Thanksgiving weekend. No, oh, yeah, no, that's going to be fantastic. Rob Blackman's the voice of the Boilermakers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, hanging out in Portland, getting set for tomorrow night and uh, that first game out there with the West Virginia Mountaineers. I'm curious. I talked to Matt couple three weeks ago and you know, we were talking about you know clock for players do you know is there a point where is there a guy on this team right now where we're so far I know we're really early in the season but so far he'd like to get him more time but has been unable to and maybe we're going to start seeing that because it, it, to me uh, Kaufman Wren would fit that category and I don't know if that is the plan but certainly if I'm asking the question that would fit the category for me has there been anybody that you would expect to get more clock that hasn't so far? Uh, maybe not so much more clock, but I would I would kind of turn your question around a little bit and say, uh, right now with Caleb First, uh, Mason Gillis, and Trey Kaufman Wren, I think Matt is kind of waiting for one of those three guys to kind of step up and, and seize seize that role. Uh, none have done so to this point. Now they've each had their moments, uh, but I was looking up the numbers earlier today. W- one thing that I know Matt wanted to get from that particular group of three to stretch the floor and shoot the three-point ball um, and really give you a different dimension than what you have when Zach Eadie's on the floor. And the numbers, I, I, I'm going from memory here, John, but I think the three-point numbers between those three guys right now is like two of 16 or something like that. So right. none of the three have taken advantage of that particular opportunity to really stretch the floor as a perimeter shooter. Doesn't mean it can't happen. I mean, Caleb was a 40% three-point shooter last year. Mason was a was a 40% three-point shooter last year. doesn't mean it can't happen, but it hasn't happened early in the season. So I would say of the three names I mentioned, if one of those guys, just one of them, starts making a three-point shot a little bit more consistently, uh, I would assume that that's going to be his role, and that's going to be the guy that gets started, that starts to get the bulk of the minutes in that, in that kind of stretch four uh, position. Hey, Braden Smith, from what you have observed – um, what has come quicker? I mean, a very small sample size as a, a freshman in the backcourt for the Boilermakers, but what has come quicker for him to adjust to positively, the offensive or the defensive side of the basketball? Mm, I guess I'll say defense because I have to make a choice. You know, he had seven, uh, the guy had uh, seven take seven steals in the first um uh, not first, yeah, first game, second game. I don't remember. I have seven yeah. steals in one of those early games. Um, so yeah, d- defensively, I think he's uh, he's probably showed out to be a little bit better defensively than they thought he was going to be. I will say this for Braden, and he has done a ton of things well for Purdue. I mean, obviously, twenty points in that game uh, against Marquette, uh, fifteen of those in the second half were huge. Um, but right now, he has more turnovers than he has assists, 
which is never a great number for a point guard. <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's only right. one more. I think it's eight assists, nine turnovers. It's only one more, but it's more. Um, so taking care of the ball is going to be kind of next on his checklist. Uh, but again, true freshman, right? He was playing high school basketball this time last year. But yeah, I, I think defensively he's probably been a little bit better than, than most of us would have thought he was going to be. Um, I don't think the defensive end is where Matt's real concerned right now. It's a matter of taking care of that basketball because you know Matt well enough. That Matt is like yeah. his absolute number one priority. If you if you don't take care of the ball, you typically do not get a play. Um, so he, so he's going to have to clean that up. So Rob Blackman of the Boilermaker Radio Network again tomorrow night coming at you, West Virginia and that Purdue basketball team. Rob's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Let's move forward quickly to the bucket game. And obviously, Boilermaker fans will be watching uh, the Iowa matchup before that bucket game with IU coming up on Saturday. But uh, this season, in a nutshell, has been for you. uh, Give me a description. First thing that comes to mind. (laughs) Maddening. Maddening. Is that a good word? Uh, Maddening. Um, only because, I mean, look, if you're a season ticket holder, you're, if you're just a fan, you certainly have gotten your money's worth this year because you think about outside of the Indiana State game, every one of Purdue's victories have been white knucklers that have gone right to the wire. I mean, even, even that Minnesota game, is that's still a game that still hangs in the balance with four minutes to go. Purdue ends up winning, I think, by 10. Uh, but even that game, you, you were on the edge of your seat the whole time. Outside of the, the the two losses that Purdue had there with Wisconsin and Iowa, those are really the only two games where Purdue was where, where was ever out of it. Um, so it's been one of those things where you're like, man, we're you know we're so close. You look at the two losses early in the season to Penn State and and Syracuse. What you wouldn't have to what you wouldn't give to have that Penn State victory back right now. You, yeah. Now you wouldn't be yeah. sweating now winning the Big Ten West. Um, so it's uh, maddening is probably the right word because there have been uh, there have been glimpses of absolute um, uh, excellent football uh, on both sides. Quite frankly, they, both both sides of the ball have had their moments, but then there have also been some moments where you're like, man, what what is wrong with us here? Uh, so so it's been inconsistent, but I think maddening is the right word. Again, though, if you look, if you're into exciting close football that you have to you know have to you have to sit through all 60 minutes to, to figure out who's going to win. Uh, then Purdue's been your team this year because they're basically, <laughs> basically all their games have gone that way, quite frankly. They they have kept you around for sure. What type of season do you think Aiden O'Connell's had under center? A um, little inconsistent. Aiden's problem was he set the bar so high with his November of last year. I mean, you think about how dominant – the whole reason he ended up really on that, that Heisman Trophy kind of outlier uh, scene uh, coming into this year because of the no- November he had last year and the bowl game uh, in, in Nashville. Uh, he, so basically the last five games he played last year, he was, I mean, he may have been playing as good, if not better than any quarterback in the country. He's not had those kind of numbers this year. Now, obviously he doesn't have a David Bell, uh, you know, to throw the ball to like he had the, in November of last year. Um, but yeah, a little inconsistent, uh, uh, it, at times, not a lot, but at times reverted back to what we saw early in his career uh, with, with poor decision-making uh, in the interceptions. Uh, you know, I, I try to remind people of this all the time. He, he was not the starting quarterback last year to start the season. Jack Plummer was. And the reason for that was uh, his decision-making was not great. And Jeff Brown yeah. was the first to tell you that. I mean, that's, that, that's why Jack Plummer won the job out of camp. Uh, because Aiden's decision-making was not great. Now, November of last year in that bowl game uh, against Tennessee, 
uh, his decision-making could not have been any better. I mean, it, it was on point every single time he pulled the trigger. Um, so he's reverted back to a little bit of that uh, this season. But, look, he's still – I mean, uh, Purdue is – trust me, Purdue is not in a position to win the division without Aiden O'Connell this year. There is no way around that. He is a huge part of why Purdue's in this position. And, and, uh, and, and he didn't put up a Heisman Trophy type of season, uh, but he certainly was good enough for Purdue to win a bunch of games this year. It seems like to you, you speak of that inconsistency, and it, it seems like more times than not, if the offense was going well, then the defense wouldn't. The yep, defense right. is going well, yep. then the offense wouldn't. And this has been, I, I mean, in both, both physical and mental, a mistake-ridden season for this group. And I, I guess you kind of look at it as, wow, you know, we're, we're really kind of talking like we're down on it, but they're in a great position right now of, what might be, but considering what could have been, if you just tighten some things up, that is a bit frustrating. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, Purdue, who knows what's going to happen Saturday against Indiana, uh, but if Purdue wins, I mean, that's an eight and four season. That, that's a pretty darn good season. And again, you're probably a total of 90 seconds away from having gone 10 and two. Um, that, that's a pretty darn good season. But yes, it was the, the fact that it just, it just felt to me and maybe, you know, the season's not over, but it just felt to me like Purdue on offense and defense never quite put it together in the same game or at the same time. Certainly both had their moments, but never, never saw it on the, on the same day. Um, had Purdue been able to do that consistently, um, who knows where we're at. But, again, I'm not, I'm not going to poo-poo a, a chance to be 8-4 and, and be a, a division champion because <laughs> Purdue did an yeah. awful lot of good things in football this season. There's no way around that. They, they, they've had a wonderful season. What are you guys doing for Thanksgiving tomorrow besides going to Nike? Or is that tonight? You going to Nike tonight? That's tonight. That's tonight. Uh, you know how Coach Painter rolls now. We're not gonna, there's no messing around with the game night tomorrow night. Yeah. So uh, there will be nothing more than the, the typical game day atmosphere. Uh, but the nice thing about this tournament is Saturday is your day off. So you play Thursday, Friday, Sunday. Yeah. Uh, and so it's my understanding we're going to, as a team, we'll have our Thanksgiving celebration on Saturday. So that, that'll be – our Thanksgiving is going to have to come two days late. Now, hopefully we're not 0-2 at that point in this tournament or it's going to be a, it's going to be a pretty, <laughs> solemn, pretty solemn dinner. Um, but uh, uh, hopefully that's not the case. But, yes, we'll be doing our, our – the Purdue basketball team Thanksgiving is going to be Saturday. Um, listen, don't allow me to drag you in the muck here before I let you go. But not only tonight are you going to be able to go to and get to see any of the ever made Nike shoes. You can report back to me about the Georgetown Hoyas from around 85 or 86. But I believe that uh, is, is marijuana legal in Oregon? I don't know that answer for certain, but judging from some of the locals I've spoken with today, I think yes. <laughs> Do you smell it? I mean, I mean, listen, it's, it's, listen, in, in this world, is there a more recognizable smell than marijuana? Well, having gone to a few concerts as a high schooler, I quickly learned, I quickly learned what that smells like. So, yes, I don't, I think you're correct. I don't know for certain, but again, just judging from the locals, I have a strong suspicion that, yes, it is absolutely legal here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What's the temp out there? Weather pretty nice? Man, no, not great. Rain in the yeah. uh, mid-40s, it's, it's not great, no. I think and that's I kind of the, that's the norm, isn't it? Is that like the norm out there? Yes. Well, the, the bad news, I woke up this morning and turned on the local news, and they said, hey, 
it's going to be one of the best days we've had in a couple of weeks. I'm like, oh, this is great. And then I opened my window, and it was so foggy you couldn't see, like, you know, 100 <laughs> yards out in front of you. So I'm like, wow, this is one of your best days in two weeks. This is not good. So. <laughs> Hey, you tell tell Matt that I'm pissed that he's not taking you where they filmed the Goonies. <laughs> um, you know what I was thinking about when uh, that when we were out here. Um, yeah. Do you know the name of the town? Because I think it's just a little way. Yeah, north Astoria. Way. It's at the. I yeah, think it's absolutely. at the mouth. Is it at the mouth of the Columbia River on the Pacific? And right why the I know that there should be no reason. Yeah. I couldn't tell you my social security number, but I can tell you that, which is ridiculous. <laughs> But yeah, the, the funny thing is, I was actually thinking about that on the flight out here. I'm like, I'm certain they filmed Goonies somewhere close to here. And you're right, because it, uh, that town you're speaking of is northwest of where we're at, just a little way. So, yeah, yeah, that's right. You're correct. Yeah. And I mean, you're not too far from where D.B. Cooper jumped out of an airplane with $250,000 back in the early 70s. Uh, the pursuit <laughs> of D.B. Cooper. And I, I don't know this for sure. And maybe it was the state of Washington, but I thought that First Blood with Stallone in 82 was filmed out oh, that, somewhere that around be, there. Yeah. By the way, and it, the D.B. Cooper uh, Netflix special, very good. I highly yes. recommend that one. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. And then you had, uh, well, no, I just forgot. Oh, no, Stand By Me. Stand By Me was a state of Oregon film as well. Oh, that's a Pacific Northwest. Okay, gotcha. I did yeah. not know that one. I knew I know. You, did, you need me as your Oregon guide. Um, I think well, there are already a couple really famous people that were guides in Oregon. Were there not Lewis and Clark possibly, or am I messing that one up? Lewis and Clark was in the seat. What do you got to ask me book stuff? Come on, man. <laughs> well, I just, I feel I like Lewis Oregon. and Clark. I thought Lewis and Clark was Louisiana. I, don't know. I, I was thinking there was a very famous uh, group of explorers that have already done <laughs> in Oregon, but I, I could be wrong. I work in sports. Wait. What do you you want to give me some math problems now too? Come on, come on, we're man. Not going, we're not going. Uh, we're not going that route. Hey, buddy, have a great time. Text me if you wouldn't mind. Um, picture if you find those uh, Georgetown shoes, uh, okay. those Nike Dunks of Georgetown. And again, I've only been. I haven't seen it for my own two eyes. I've only been told this, so I hope this is correct. That I can literally find a, a version of every single Nike that's ever been made in the shoe department. I hope that's the case. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, because they, they have dunks around here. You have some, some specialty shoe places in and around Indianapolis. And, man, those dunks are expensive. I mean, at, at the very least, I think even some, and, you know, some are about, you know, size 14s. I mean, they're really kind of, you know, larger size. Don't even fit. You just put them in a case. Roll for about 500 bucks. So I'm assuming it's probably going to be rather expensive. Well, I will, all I can do is try my best. Let, let's face it, John. That's really all any of us. <laughs> we'll just try our best. All right. Well, uh, hold down to Fort out there for us, and um, we'll uh, we'll stay in touch. Have a great time out in Portland. Tell Matt we said hello and have some fun calling those games. This sounds like a hell of an atmosphere, and certainly there could be some really good matchups. We'll be uh, both watching and listening to you, Rob. Thank you. Awesome, John. Thank you, man. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 
Shandy Moore, Automotive Group Pipeline. And he has a busy weekend on tap for you. Indiana Sports Talk and more. Bob Lovell is with us. Hello, Bob. Happy Thanksgiving to you. John, thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to you. I think I'm going to go watch Indiana State on Sunday, by the way. Indiana State plays Trinity. I know they play tonight, but they play Trinity. Trinity, of course, has got Braxton Barnheiser, son of Mark Barnheiser, Lafayette Jeff head coach, uh, on that team. I think I'm going to go over and watch uh, the, the Fighting Trees take on Trinity on Sunday, Bob. be a great game to see. Get to see uh, Jackson Barnheiser. I'm sure you can hang out with Mark a little bit, watch your uh, Sycamore's play. I think the people are rightfully so very excited about this team. You know, yeah, I, so, uh, I did yeah. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. one of their games on last year, and they were – Listen, they were fun to watch. The thing I'm impressed with is how hard they play. Uh, they, they go at you defensively, offensively. They run some action that's hard to defend, and um, it takes a while to figure it out as a, as a group of guys. And so once they settle in and understand what coach wants them to do, I think they're going to be a pretty solid team. So Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk, I agree too. Somebody had tweeted me the other day and said, hey, you got to give them some love. I know your friend was Greg Lansing. And I think I was described as being butthurt about it. I'm not butthurt about it. I love my Sycamores. Uh, certainly Greg Lansing is a friend, but he, he's in a good spot right now. They look to be in an early season good spot right now. I want what is best for my Sycamores. Always have, always will, Bob. Well, you know what, John? That is a hard level uh, to coach. Uh, the uh, mid-major level is it, really – uh, having spent seven years running all the basketball in the Horizon League, I think I know what that's about. And, and here's your deal. You know, if if you don't win, you, they're going to give you five years to be in the top of the conference and maybe make an NCAA tournament or an NIT. And if you don't do that in five years, you're going to be looking for a job. And if yeah. you uh, – that's why you'll see constant turnover in leagues like that because it's hard. It's very hard to do. And if you can ill afford to have injuries, transfers, if you're not funded correctly, it's hard to compete. And so uh, there's a lot going on in a situation like that and in a, at a level like that. Bob Lovell joins us, and that is a great segue that I want to make with you, how difficult it is to win at that level with everything going on. I brought up Eric Moore, 6A, coaching for a title against Carroll. Both great stories, uh, certainly an, an emotional tug uh, with sure. Fort Wayne Carroll as well coming up on Friday. But I, I had mentioned this. Uh, Eric Moore is going to join me a little bit later, and I, I think that this is his, his best season of coaching. He would probably laugh at that and joke with it. But here's the segue. I had mentioned the thing I admire the most is that that's not a football factory there at Center Grove in Bargersville, in and around the area, Greenwood. It, it has been built from the ground up. It's a grassroots effort. And it's one of those efforts where everybody pushes. And I mean, everybody from the staff to the players, to the families, everybody pushes in the same direction. And I know that there are probably other examples of that around the state in football, basketball, what have you. But to me, Bob, there does not seem like that many. There may be others, but there does not seem like that there are that many like that program, how it is developed from the grassroots level to where it is right now. I think the amazing thing, John, is that when they made that move uh, to the uh, to the conference, to Nick, uh, I, I, I scratched my head and wondered what they were thinking because, you know, you're playing the uh, township schools, the big county schools, 
a bigger population, uh, probably uh, better athletes, so to speak. And so I really thought that it would be hard to do. And you go back when Coach came in, he came in with a unique system. He was running that wing T offense that nobody else was running. And, and, and he stayed with it. And it was implemented into, uh, you know, their developmental level, their grassroots programs. You were going to run this offense. And they gave him total control of his program. And look what it got them. I mean, he's, it's an incredible, incredible job that, that he and his staff and everybody in the community have been a part of. And he's built an entire program from the ground up, which is – there's no easy way to do it, but he did it. So Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk. Uh, what else do you like about the Friday and Saturday? Give me a couple of different storylines, certainly ones that we haven't talked about yet that kind of jump off the page for you of interest. Well, you know, I think the one storyline that you begin with is we talk all the time about how hard it is to win, and now you have two tur- two championships are rerun replays of last year. You know, and, and brand, obviously uh, in modern day and 2A, uh, that is just unbelievably hard to do. And then in single A, uh, you have um, Lutheran uh, trying to, to win again. Uh, and, and it's just a situation where it's so hard. I mean, it's just so hard to do. Uh, and it's hard for everybody to do. And you stop and think about it, John. Um, you know, you have really, I mean, to, to go back to the two-way matchup, it's it all off tomorrow. You have Andrean with Drake Bowen, who's probably going to be Mr. Football. Uh, modern day, an explosive offense that can score points anywhere in the building, quite frankly. And then, you know, you have New Prairie East Central. Nobody knows where New Prairie is located. They're up in the northern part of the state. They're really, really, really good. And this East Central team we know about because they beat a very, very good Ron Colley team last week. And then, you know, Senator Grove tried to make it a, a three-peat. Uh, Carroll has played good teams and deserves to be there. The Adam Central Lutheran matchups, a replay of last year. Uh, you, you like that. You, you love the matchup. It's hard to, to win one championship, let alone back it up. And then Chittard back for uh, another run at it. I love what Rob Doyle and his guys have done. You and I both love Darren Fisher from Whiteland. This is their first time. Valpo's been before, but it's been a while. And so you have, if you think about it, there are great storylines in every one of these games, and that's why it makes it so much fun. I frankly think it's one of the best, if not the best, weekends of sports in our entire state because you get a chance to come downtown, watch them light the tree, have some fun, watch the Pacers. You know, you, you want to talk about a great weekend. What a weekend. No, I, I completely agree. And then for Whiteland, I know you brought them up too, the job that has been done there. And the excitement, because I, I, I get to see that driving by. And, I mean, you could tell the buzz if you go into, you know, the, the local Johnson County Kroger or whatever, you know, between right. both Center Grove and right. Whiteland. There is a significant buzz there. But this is, this is certainly old hat, significant but old hat for CG. With Whiteland, uh, you, the, the anticipation is, is incredible. I mean, you can I cut that with a knife. They've had a, a solid athletic program for a while. You know, they, when Butch Dyke was coaching baseball, they played for a championship. You know, they've been in that. that they, but you look at what they've done, you know, they're, as you know, as you drive by, this school corporation is exploding in population. 
and Darren Fisher is the right guy for this program. And they just they beat you up at the point of attack. And they and they they are a very solid, well put together group. Uh, and you know, Valpo uh, started off the season literally not allowing anybody in the end zone. And uh, up in the region, people love this. There'll be a a real struggle to score in this ball game between the two defensive-minded teams. Should be fun. A couple of two days. And then, then another reason why I love the Tuesday in this case before Thanksgiving is, you know, not with the, the football historic type of programs, but with most of the rest of the state, high school basketball for the fellows got underway last night. <laughs> You know what? It's it's hard not to like this week. I mean, you love this week uh, because you know football, uh, with all its pageantry and all the excitement, you get to a championship level, and then you finish that. You turn, you, you take a breath, and then you toss it up and start playing basketball. And so, yeah, you know, this weekend, a big weekend. Not a lot of games uh, on the boys' side. Girls have been playing for three weeks. But uh, on the boys' side, it really gets into action next week. But you'll have some games, you know, earlier this week. You have some, you know, tomorrow night, uh, excuse me, Tuesday night's going to be a huge night, Wednesday night a huge night, as it has been. And so you've seen a lot of games that have been played to this point. But uh, the weekend's kind of slow. But then next week, everybody's playing. All right. When are we going to hear you? going to hear me Friday, Saturday night, 9.30 to midnight on over 50 radio stations around the state of Indiana. That's awesome. As always, man, happy Thanksgiving to you Same and to the you, fam. John. And thanks for uh, hanging out with me. By your local CarX locations, CarX.com, 14 in central Indiana to serve you each and every Friday. But it's a Monday. I checked that. It's a Wednesday because tomorrow is Thanksgiving. Bob Lovell. Joining us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Line. It is always a pleasure, Bob. Have a great Thanksgiving. You too. Thanks for having me. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. ...to be a consultant. I'm sure we'll dive into that. Not much, but a little bit coming up at the top of the hour. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, he celebrates the decade of the 70s and that musical era all the time. He's a friend of the show. Back in that state title game in 6A coming up on Friday night at 7 o'clock against Carroll. He is the leader of the Center Grove Trojans, the football program. He is Eric Moore. Hello, Eric. How are you doing, buddy? Hey, James. How are you doing? I'm here with my ebony eyes all over. I <laughs> love it. I knew that would be right up your alley right there. That's in your wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah I made some laps around the square in Bloomington back in the 70s, listening to a little bit of Rafi <sighs> and ebony eyes as well. Yeah. Did you start stop at uh, what is it Pagali's or Paglali's Pizza right there on the square? Grab a slice or two Stromboli, back in the day. Yeah, Paglali's, stamp Stromboli every Sunday. Uh, Man, racking queue, gotten a few miscues <sighs> at the racking queue. Back in the you day. know, <laughs> you know, I I think I love Bloomington too, but 
Rack and Q going out, and I think it was some kind of office supply store that went in there. That was a travesty. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was bad. Uh, how you pool. doing? A lot of good lying, a lot of good pool games. No doubt about that. No doubt about it at all. How are things going for you? I'm great. It's how, how can it be bad? It's Thanksgiving. It's we've practiced today at Lucas Oil, and we had another practice after that. I had two practices this morning. I'm sitting on my back porch in November with my dogs and listening to birds. This is can't get any better than this. So Eric Moore's the head coach of Center Grove. Can you tell by a practice? I mean, you've been at this for so long and so successful. Can you tell, for example, by a practice like today or leading up to a championship game? that your kids are locked in? And if so, what's that telltale sign for you? Well, you know, today we weren't very good, so I hope, <laughs> I hope the telltale <laughs> okay. sign is wrong. Or, or but, not, uh, yes, or on, not. Often on Wednesdays, uh, it, can, it can be a little bit backwards. Sometimes uh, Wednesdays are not, they're not as good as they are on Fridays. Uh, you know, it's about the kids now getting ready to play. You know, we've done everything we can as coaches. As we say, the hay's in the barn, and it's time to grow. And, you, you know, they know everything they're going to know, and, We've done everything we can do. We'll have a little tune-up in the morning at our alumni practice at 8 o'clock in the morning for all the CG football alumni to come out for the fourth straight year and be with us at practice. Always let the alumni lie a little bit, tell stories, and then introduce themselves. And then uh, let them off for uh, Thanksgiving dinner, and we'll see them again Friday morning and get ready to go play a game. we got to give a shout-out to Mike Duke, who's going to be a part of that coming up, too. Oh, oh, Big-time Duke family presence down there. He's only helped me for about 22 of the 24 years. I have I have so many longtime people that have helped me do things around here. It's unbelievable. It's what it's what it's why we are who we are and how we are. Now, yeah, well, Mike's been yeah. gracious in all these years. Yeah, and, and Mike, the whole Duke family is great, and, and Mike leading the way. And I mentioned this a little bit earlier. It is so hard to do. Uh, yet I don't know why more people don't actually try to do what you have done because people will often say, "Well, CG, that's a football factory." It's far from the case. I mean, you, you've built that from the grassroots up, and you do a job that Brad Stevens once upon a time told me, saying, hey, to be good, to be great, you got to be all pushing in the right direction. And from, you know, the first time flag football, first time pads are put on, you've got everybody down there with you. Everybody is pushing in the same direction. And that, you don't see that often. And I would have to think that that has been increasingly more difficult to accomplish over the years. How, how have you done it? Well, you're exactly right. And uh, today was a perfect example of it. Today, uh, we rolled in the Lucas Hall, you know, for a for Wednesday practice with five buses. And one, a couple of the buses had former players that are fathers now and run my Bantam League. And they had their kids, Andy Moore and Brent Lay. And they had yep. their little, little kids out there running around. Uh, and, and the three coaches that, that played for me, Kevin Diesel and Nick Lyon and Joey Siderowitz, you know, now Joey didn't have kids, but uh, Kevin brought his youngest daughter, and it's all pushing in the same direction. You're, you're right. You have to be the second graders and the sixth graders and the eighth graders all have to want to play football on Friday night for the Trojans, or it's a tough battle. When you start worrying about statistics and worrying about me, uh, it, it's hard to push in the same direction. And a lot of times we win battles because we, we, we're with kids and people that have been together for 12, 10, 12 years. It, and, and what you do is not what you – most often see now there are some out there that do it that way and those are the ones that are successful but as i mentioned eric it is increasingly more difficult to utilize what has been a long-standing strategy i mean that's just that's that's old school stuff you build from the roots up 
and you guys all push in the same direction, you know, doing what you do until you get into high school, and then you see that that success and that consistent success as well. Do, do you see that you know, becoming more increasingly difficult to do with everything that entails trying to make sure that everybody is pushing in the same direction? Yeah, because most people want something out of something. Most people, you know, if they give you something, they want something back. Whereas in Center Grove here, the community, you know, they, they just want to be a part of it. And that's what's the big thing. If you can find people just want to be a part of, of having success instead of, okay, I helped you, now help me. That's not what it is. Helping, you, helping them is winning on Friday night. It's, 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 it's having a great product on the field every Friday night, year in, year out. For the last 24 years, I feel like we've got a good product. So people come and watch us. And it's, it's, football is, is the greatest game in the world because in high school you play it one night a week. And they're not, you, can, you can't play it year-round. And a lot of that stuff is really taken away from other sports. I hate that. You know, I love the other sports, baseball, basketball, so on. But when you play 30 and 40 and 50 games a year, you get used to losing. And I don't want our guys to ever get used to losing. So, you know, we'll, do, we'll try to do the less to get the most out of it. Uh, we're pretty, really proud of how we do that. But it is. It's a big pushback from the community when you got everybody wanting to volunteer and help you do this. Yeah. It's, it's sometimes, you know, i tell you what does happen, though, Jamie. Some of these great teams that we come in and play, their kids don't get to be in this type of atmosphere, and they play the best game of their life because they're having fun. And uh, sometimes it backfires on you, but that's, but that's okay. We like, a, we like the circus atmosphere. We want kids to have a great time. We want the student bodies to have a time, great time. We want parents and community people to come out and, and have a great time at the Center Grove football game and enjoy some good, hard-hitting, physical Center Grove football. Eric Moore joins us, the head coach of Center Grove on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. You look at this season, is this what you expected? I know the expectations are at this level every year there, but with this particular group coming off of last year and what was lost and where you were going with, with that group moving forward, was this your expectation, or did you just kind of see it evolve over the course of the season in front of you? Well, I mean, people would get cliche with it, but we expect to be at this point every season. We want to be in the championship game. We want to be a part of the Final Four. We want to be a part of this. Now, the last two years, we've had maybe the two best football teams in the state of Indiana and the history of Indiana. And I and I, I informed our, our kids in the spring and the summer when we started workouts that, you know, Taven Jackson and Caden Curry and James Shot, they're not walking through the door. They're gone. They're doing their thing now. So we had to form a, an image and we, we formed a statement, become one. And that become one could mean a lot of things. You know, the last couple of years, we were number one from the start of the polls to the end of the polls. And this year, we weren't going to be. So let's become one. Let's become one group. Let's become one team. Uh, but, you know, people look at, at at the individual kids and, okay, so why are kids that really never got on the field this successful this year? And it's easy. It's called opportunity. It's their time. And they take a lot of pride in having that, that one year. If it's only one year, it's called a process. Kids all over the world, all over our country, don't understand the process. You just don't get out of bed and, and be a great athlete and be a great player. You have to put in work. And too many people are given too much without putting the work in. And we have several starters that were scout team kids for two and three years, and now they're getting to enjoy the, you know, you're getting to, sold, you know, they sold all that in. Now they're getting to reap the profit of, of, of all the hard work that you put in. And that's what makes it so enjoyable. And if you win, you win. If you lose, you lose. But you get to be a part of something because you worked to do it. It wasn't given to you. You know, it's funny you bring that up, too, and Eric Moore joins us. That, that, you know, some people might look at that. Well, that's, you know, that's an old-school philosophy, but no, no, no. That stood the test of time. That's how you get it done. And that's how you consistently 
get to that level in which you have reached with that philosophy, with that blueprint, with that in mind. And I, um, I, it just, it, it is amazing. And, and, and maybe others do, and I don't notice it, but I, if I were a coach out there, and I don't care what sport I'm talking about, I would blueprint what you have done and what you have accomplished there with, with everybody. And I mean, you know, those around you, your lieutenants, as you mentioned, your staff and these families, and, and I would act like that I'm going to be there for 20-plus years. I think nowadays often you just get coaches in there that think they're going to be there for maybe four or five, and they just don't look at it as deeply as, as what you did when you first started there. Yeah, I just, I've been lucky. I've only had two jobs in my life, one in Florida for 12, 16, 14 years, and one in, yeah. in Indiana for 24. And that's just the way my, it's my personality. It's what I wanted in life. I didn't want to jump over the place. But I've really gotten a bunch of assistant coaches to buy in on that. You know, kids that were former players, and there's been other former players that come and go and, and coach for us as well. But I got a, a group of guys that have been there with me, some of them 20, couple of them two or three 20 years, some 18 years, 15 years. And it's because we all coach. They're all great men, you know, great teachers in school too. That's what blows my mind, uh, how good of school teachers they are, let alone coaches. And, uh, you know, I want them to raise their family in the program, and it's it's worked out. And, I you know, I hope that they will uh, take the baton here shortly probably and, uh, you know, continue to have another 24 years of success uh, as the Center Grove program goes down the road here. Eric Moore is the head coach of Center Grove. They're matched up coming up on Friday night. That 6A final is at 7 o'clock against Carroll. What do you think about that squad uh, that you're going to be matched up against coming up on Friday night? Well, you know, uh, their they're, you know their their season has been about mourning the loss of, of a great of a great player, number thirteen, Owen, and uh, we're 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 going to honor him by putting his number on our helmet uh, for the championship game as well, uh, and you know we tribute that to that team. Uh, if you look at Carroll on film, they look they look like the Ben Davis and Warren Central that we see every year. They have great athletes, great speed, that size. They're all lines play hard. Uh, they're very well coached. They have a great kicking game. Uh, you know, it's gonna. It's another typical Friday night for Center Grove. That's why we haven't got ballyhooed up with all the state finals uh, stuff that you normally do because we're just concentrating on playing another really good football team. We're proud of what we've done and what we've accomplished. But you know, we only got three or four more days as a family together, and we're going to try to give it everything we got. But it's going to be quite the challenge. They can score, and in their defense is like the second or third race defense in, in, in the state. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. Something's going to have to give. Well, congratulations so far, and the best of luck to you coming up on, on Friday. I, I'm not going to tell you. I just I think that, you know, observing what you have done, what you've accomplished there, this is, um, uh, to me and, and others as well, I think this is one of, if not the best work that you have, have done with this particular team. So congratulations on that. I mean, every year it's, it's been great, but this one just seems a, a little bit different from a lot of us out there that have watched it. And uh, I know it's been fantastic for you. Congratulations on it, and uh, the best of luck coming up on Friday. Man, we'll be watching. You know yeah. that. Well, we, we thank you. You know, it's been four straight years going to this championship game. It's 68 uh, weeks and 56 games yeah. in that four-year span. A lot of great kids, uh, you know, the same great coaches, which is one thing that's pretty cool. And uh, just really, really proud of uh, our school and our community and really honored to represent them and, can't wait to go in there and peek our head out that tunnel and see all that Trojan red Friday night. So go Trojans. It's going to be there too. And I can't wait till I run into you at the Speedway coffee machine here again relatively soon at, at Smith Valley in Morgantown. That's where we hang out. I didn't want to tell everybody that because we, you know, we get people wanting to come by and horn in on our conversations. 
<laughs> yeah, it would be nice if you ever bought a guy, bought an old, poor, old ball coach a cup of coffee every I know. Isn't that awful? I thought about that when I left. I thought, man, what a crank I am. Golly. Hey, by the way, my good friend Tony Donahue, that used to be my partner here, I wanted to give you a shout-out, too. So, yeah. um, he's, Tony's a he's great obviously guy. Tony's one of my racing buddies, man. If you yeah. don't know anything about racing, Tony's the number one guy to go to. I can't wait for he, the NASCAR and Indy season to start again. Can't wait. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely is. Hey, best of luck to you, Eric. Stay in touch and uh, yeah, good luck coming up on Friday, and and uh, we'll do this again soon. But congratulations on a fantastic year. Hey, Will. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, uh, and uh, please get out to the to the game, everybody, on Friday night, and, and get cheer for that 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 uh, Central Indiana team, Center Grove Trojans, going for our third straight state championship. Love it. Go Trojans. And I got to go see Rick Clark DJ too, so I've got to be there for that. <laughs> don't be, don't be late. That could be a quick show. <laughs> don't be late. All right, bye. I appreciate it, Eric. Thanks, buddy. Take care. Appreciate all you do for high school sports. <laughs>